Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana, and today is part seven of an eight-part series that I have titled Quantum Insights. I'm simply sharing the insights that I have taken away from some of my most important teachers, insights that have created a quantum leap in my life, and I believe that if you understand them, if you integrate them into your life, that they will produce a quantum leap in your life also and your love life. And so it's been quite a journey so far. Let me just recap very quickly where we've been. In week one, I shared some insights from Jim Dethmer, and we talked about radical responsibility, okay? In week two of this series, I shared insights from Michael Singer on the human condition. In week three, I threw you a little curveball, the first curveball, and I shared insights that I've gleaned about how to be successful, insights I've learned from the game of golf. The main point there was sort of what it takes to be successful in golf really transfers to our lives and even our love lives. So that was week three. Week four, I shared insights from my original coach, Diana Chapman. We talked about body intelligence. Week five, I shared insights from David Data. He is the world's leading expert, in my view. I think it's most people's view on the issue of masculine feminine dynamics. And we talked all about sexual polarity, you know, the real essence of attraction and what attraction is all about. And then last week, I shared a tool that I have been exposed to that has made an incredible difference in my life, and that is the Enneagram of personality. And really what we talked about in regards to the Enneagram, learning your personality type and so forth, is it's really all about growing in self-awareness. It's really about knowing thyself. Your, your personality type and knowing what your type is can lead to such wisdom about what makes you tick, what your triggers are, how you see the world, you know, what your primary fear is, you know, what your defense mechanisms are, what your personality blind spots are. What your self-sabotaging behaviors are likely to be, okay? So that was the Enneagram last week. And in this week, I'm really throwing you a curveball. This week, I want to talk to you about it's not really a tool. It's not really a technique. It certainly isn't a person. I'm not sure what category I would put this in. But I want to talk to you about what is called medicine journeys. Now, what I mean by that is there are certain psychedelic drugs that really for thousands of years, people have known that they can show you things and help you recognize or realize truths about yourself, about life, about the universe that aren't necessarily attainable through normal states of consciousness, right? So medicine journeys are all about the use of, the impact of, and the power of psychedelic drugs and how they can, for lack of a better phrase, open our minds to a dimension of reality that we normally might not be in touch with, okay? Now, I don't know where you stand in regards to the idea of using drugs 
for spiritual enlightenment. Drugs that can give you quantum leaps in your life and in your love life. I would not be surprised if many people listening to the sound of my voice would be, you know, their knee-jerk reaction would be against it because it is against the law in the United States everywhere but in Portland. No, I'm sorry, Oregon. Okay? So these drugs are illegal almost everywhere in this country. And so... I just want to respect the people that might be very skeptical of this and very suspicious and maybe even initially closed off to the idea of using a substance to create an opening in your life, to give you an insight, to show you a reality that maybe has been there, but you are not sort of able to see it in your normal state of consciousness, okay? So other people hearing this, they might be thrilled because they're aware of these things. Perhaps some people listening to this have even used some of the psychedelics that I'm going to talk about, or at least you've heard about their power. And so if I was going to give you a brief outline on where I'm going today, is I first want to talk about the usefulness of these psychedelics, okay? Then I want to talk about how to use them to get a quantum leap in your life, right? There are ways of using these things that are not only safe, but they there are ways of using them that can create these realizations. There are also ways of using them to just get high. (laughs) Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is the power of these things and why we should consider them. Then I want to talk about how to use them safely and appropriately for life transformation. And then lastly, I want to share with you some of the, the insights I've gleaned from the two medicine journeys that I've done. And maybe I should start right there and let you know that I have not done dozens of these things. I know people that have done many of them. Um, I have not had that much experience with them. I've done two medicine journeys, but I've had profound insights from both of them. Both of them have shown me something that I was not seeing on my own. Both of them produce some quantum leaps in my life. And I believe they can do it for you also, provided you do it in the way that I did it and the way everyone does it who is looking to realize something and not just get high. Okay. And I'll get into that more in a minute. I can tell you this that I have used both MDMA, which is commonly known as ecstasy, and I have used psilocybin, which is commonly called magic mushrooms. Those are the two things that I have done. I did the MDMA ecstasy thing, I think in 2011. Okay, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. And then most recently, I did a mushroom journey Uh, in the middle of March of this year, 2023. Both of them produced quantum leaps and quantum insights in my life, and I'll circle back to what those are. But the first thing I want to say is, and you may or may not be aware of this, but there, there is some real exciting things happening in the world of medicine and science right now in regards to what they're discovering that these psychedelics can do for our lives, okay? You know, back in the 60s when they became popular, you know, LSD and, and all these things, you know, the, the, and drugs were exploding in our country, um, everything was pretty much shut down by the government at that time. I think they were afraid of drug epidemics and maybe they had some basis for their fear, but 
That's when the war on drugs really started. And, and so the legality of these things was shut down and they were made illegal. And what that meant is that even in research institutions, you know, hospitals, National Institute of, of Health, the CDC, nobody could study the effects of these things because you weren't allowed to use them. You weren't allowed to have them. They were illegal, even for research purposes. Okay. That has loosened up. I don't know how long ago, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 15, because institutions like Johns Hopkins, um, I think that institution is at the forefront of the research right now on these psychedelics. And it's happening in many institutions around the country, but I think they are really on the cutting edge of it. And what they're finding is that these drugs, ecstasy, um, mushrooms, and other, other types, are, are making a huge difference in people's lives who have PTSD, who have severe anxiety, depression, okay, and with addictions. They're actually finding that these drugs are helping people who are chemically addicted, alcoholism, right? So the re- if you do some research on this, the, the initial findings and what they're discovering are really exciting about some of the ways that these psychedelics can really help people. So there's been 60 Minutes episodes done on these things. There have been many, many podcasts done by very professional and scientific people who have PhDs and doctorates. Sam Harris has done a lot of episodes on this. Uh, I think even Joe Rogan has done episodes on this. And these podcasts have interviewed the actual doctors at Johns Hopkins, the researchers who are doing the studies of all this kind of stuff. Uh, the, the Huberman Lab podcast did a, a big podcast on, on the, the powerful effects of psychedelics. And so I reference those podcasts because if you want more info, you can go to the Making Sense podcast with Sam Harris, and you can find his episodes on it. You can go to the Huberman Lab podcast and find his episodes on it, just to give you some background. But people in the medical world, not in the spiritual world, but but what's interesting is the medical world is finding that these drugs can produce profound effects on people that have these medical conditions. But for thousands of years, people in the spiritual realm okay, have known that these drugs can open the mind to realizations um, that can't be matched in any other way. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today, that I've used these on a couple of occasions and I see what they've been talking about. I see what everyone from the ancient, you know, Indian tribes and the peyote to people in the in the wilds of Costa Rica and South America and Chile and ayahuasca type journeys and so forth. So there's there's been well-known um well-known impact of these these drugs in the spiritual realm for a long time. And, and so I was, I was curious about them. A number of my friends have used them themselves and told me the things that have shifted in them, the insights they've gleaned and how much it's made a difference in their lives. And so it took me a while before I got a whole body. Yes. Within me, that I was ready and wanting to do it. For a while, I just, I had some hold back, whether it was legitimate fear or not. I just didn't feel like I was ready. Um, 
but both in 2011 because MDMA is a more mild type of psychedelic. Um, the magic mushrooms are more intense. And then something like ayahuasca is, is I think the most powerful of all of them. And I haven't done that. I don't plan on it at this point, but who knows what my future holds. So I, I want to, I want to share with you my, some of my opinions about this. Um, and they're just my opinions because, you know, these are becoming all the rage. I'd be surprised if you haven't heard of, you know, magic mushrooms and, and ecstasy and not just using them to get high, but using them to enhance your spiritual experience. I'd be surprised if you didn't know about that. And in spiritual communities, they are being used quite frequently. Now, part of my opinion on this is that I think a lot of people are genuinely interested in their spiritual growth and in their enlightenment and in their awakening and they're using these types of drugs to help with that. But I think a lot of people in these communities are just using it as an excuse to get high. <laughs> I do. I think a lot of people, they, they do these things all the time. And, I, and I, I think it's easy to say, oh, I'm really wanting to experience, you know, spiritual realization. When in reality, I think they just want to get high. Okay. Which is fine. You know, I guess in my world, if that was true, I would rather you just admit it, that you just want to get high um, and that you don't have these altruistic spiritual purposes. You just, you know, you, just want to, you can get high if you want to get high. But I, I do think some people are playing games with this and they aren't really interested in the spiritual experience. And one of the ways I know that is because of the way in which they use them, okay? There is a lot of research and there is a lot of wisdom that has been shared by the people who are, you know, really on the cutting edge with this in the spiritual realm that are really serious about people's enlightenment and growth. There is a way to do it that creates an opportunity for quantum in insights, for quantum leaps in your life. There is a mindset that you need to bring to it. And then there is a physical setting in which can create the opportunity for real profound insights. And when they are done with the right mindset and in the right setting, I think that shows the intention of the person doing it. It really shows that you aren't just wanting to get high. You're wanting to experience something beyond the ego, something beyond the mind, and be open to a reality that you didn't know was there. Right. So you sort of know what a person's real intention is by the way in which they do it. But you can go to a party and take mushrooms, <laughs> right? Just like you can go to a party and you can drink alcohol, smoke weed, take ecstasy, right? But if you're, if you're with a group of people, right, and you're at a party, you know, it's like, okay, you're not going to have spiritual insight there. You're just not. You're just going to get high. And you're going to have a good time. Fine. Okay. I have no problem with people getting high. You want to get high, you get high. I mean, I don't, I don't do any drugs at all other than I, I'll have alcohol occasionally and I get buzzed. Right? That's kind of fun. I admit it. That happens with me, you know, every so often. Okay. So if you want to get high, get high. But just because you're taking these psychedelics and just because you say you're a spiritual person doesn't mean you're really, really doing it to experience a quantum leap in your own evolution as a person. Because if you do, then you will do it in the way that I'm going to describe to you right now. Okay? 
So there's two parts of this. It's, it's called set and setting. If you listen to some other podcasts, if you've heard some other people teach on this, you'll hear them talk about set and setting, meaning mindset and the setting in which you do it. So what I want to do is the main thing I want, I want you guys to hear me say, I mean, listen up really close. Okay. Um, it's really important that you do it in the way I'm describing. First, if you don't, you won't have the insights that you could have. And secondly, you might end up doing something that's not safe for yourself or for other people. These are psychedelic drugs. You can do bizarre things if you, if you don't do it in the right way, right? You shouldn't, you should not be able to walk around and do whatever you want. You should not be able to drive a car. You, you really shouldn't be in public because your mind state is altered and you can do bizarre things, potentially hurt yourself or hurt other people. Okay. So I really want to stress that I am talking about doing this with a real spiritual mindset. Okay. And I don't want to repeat myself too many times, but I'm going to. This is not about, I'm going to go to a party on Saturday night and take some mushrooms. That ain't it. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? I'm talking about a formal spiritual practice where you have a an actual guide, or in my case, more than one. Maybe I, Maybe I should start with that. Before you do anything with this, this is not something you do on your own. And it's not something you do with a group of people at a party. This is something you do where you hire and you pay for a guide who is very experienced in this. They've done maybe dozens of their own journeys, but they've also guided Dozens of other people on their journeys, meaning they get the drug for you. They create an environment in which it's going to happen and they sit with you the entire time you're under the influence of the drug. They choose the music that you're going to listen to. I'll get to this in just a minute, right? But you have someone who is overseeing you. One, they are there to protect you so you don't wander out of the room and walk into traffic or jump out of a window, okay? So they're there to make sure you don't do anything bizarre. They're also there in case you were to have some sort of medical emergency to take care of you, okay? But they're also there to ensure the setting is appropriate so that you get the quantum insights and quantum leaps that you want. Okay. But let's circle back to mindset. When I've done and what I'm going to say that you must do, if you want quantum insights, when you do medicine journeys, both times, I spent a lot of time beforehand in meditation, in a type of prayer really searching my heart as to what was I wanting to experience? What was I wanting to achieve? Like I put questions to the universe. Like I want to know this. I want to experience this, right? So I set intentions for myself. I, I, I felt deeply about my own life I really ask myself, why am I doing this? What do I want to experience? Okay. So most recently, what I really wanted to experience was what was beyond myself. In fact, both of my journeys were similar in that. When I did MDMA a number of years ago, my major intention was I wanted to, I wanted to see what was beyond my ego. Like the, think of my ego as a curtain and it, it this thick curtain 
And I was like, I want to see what's behind the curtain. So what would I realize? What, what could I understand about myself, about life, if my sense of self dissolved for a moment? The, the strong sense of me, right? The, the story of who I am, the, the ego, the, the I thought, right? This Roy person, like what's beyond all those thoughts? What's beyond the story? If that was peeled away for a moment, what could I see? And this most recent one was very similar. I wanted to experience what Buddhists and Hindus call non-duality. I wanted to see I wanted to see in, in, in a deep and profound way what it means to experience no self, right? What does it mean to recognize that we are one, we're all one, that I'm not a separate person living in the world, that I'm not living inside my head behind my face, right? That I'm, I'm not this separate self-sense. So I I wanted to have a direct experience of non-duality, of nirvana, you could say, uh, or Christians might call it heaven, Um, or the the Hindus call it sat-chit-ananda, eternal conscious bliss. That's what the, the Hindus say is the real nature of who we are. So this most recent journey, I really wanted to get a glimpse into who I really am beyond all my mind stuff, all the stories of who I am and the the beliefs I have and the judgments I have and the mind clutter that I have and the emotions that I have. I wanted to see like what's behind all that. Is there anything behind all that? Because Buddhism and Hinduism and all in, in even the deeper teachings of Christianity and Islam, they, they teach that there is something beyond the human form, right? They do teach that we are one with God. And I just felt like, you know what? Maybe if I take some really good drugs, I can have a glimpse of that. I can jumpstart that experience of my spiritual journey. And so the main thing I want you to hear here is I wasn't going to some party and saying, hey, I'm going to get high. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to see colors and hear sounds. And I'm going to be one with the birds and one with the clouds. And oh, man, oh, double rainbow. That's a double rainbow. If you remember that video from years ago. That, no, that's not what I was doing. I was sitting down and with my guides, I was telling them, here are my intentions. And they were asking me questions. They were helping clarify what it was that I was wanting the universe to show me. So my guide in my first journey back with MDMA was my coach, Diana Chapman. Okay. And I went to her house in California. I traveled there. She was the one who was able to get the ecstasy. And And I took it on a Monday morning at 9.30, okay? This is not a party. (laughs) She set up like a place in her house on the floor where I laid on the floor and I had blankets and pillows and both Diana and her friend Grace, they at the time were both coaching me very early. I had two coaches early on. Diana and Grace used to work together. But they were my guides and they helped me set the intentions. And so I took the drug at 9.30 in the morning. I took a little extra at about 11 o'clock in the morning. And and my journey lasted about five hours. Okay. And during the five hours, they sat with me right next to me because I'm awake, right? I'm conscious. I know what's going on but I'm seeing things, right? I'm hearing things. I'm experiencing things. And so Grace was the one in 2011 who had a notebook and she was writing down every single thing that I said. 
She was recording my insights for me. She was writing down what I said, word for word. Diana was responsible for choosing the music. That is very important. The music that you have during your journey, it affects the mind and the drug. I can't explain it. But you need to have someone who knows the right music to play for you at the right time. Sometimes they were drumming types of instrumental things. Other times they were songs that had some lyrics. The music had different paces and different flavors to it. And I was blindfolded the entire five hours. Okay? So you need to picture this. I'm laying on a bed that's prepared for me. Okay? I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. I take this drug. I lay down. In about 20 minutes, it starts taking effect. I put a blindfold over my eyes. I've got headphones or earbuds in my ears, and they are playing music. Sometimes they would take the headphones off and ask me a question or ask me if I was okay, or they would make a comment about something that I was saying because for five hours, I was yapping my brains out about what I was experiencing. Sometimes I was laughing. Sometimes I was crying. Sometimes I was in a place of awe, right? I felt different things in my body, in my throat, in my chest, in my genitals, right? So are you getting the flavor that this was a spiritual practice that I was doing? This is not about getting high at a party, right? And I paid these people for their time and I paid for the drugs, (laughs) Right now, I don't know what it cost me back in 2011, but in this year, 2023, when I did the mushroom journey, it was the same way. I went to my guide's house. Her first name is Lauren. She's here in Chicago. She's a very experienced medicine journey person for herself, and she has guided dozens of people on their own journeys. So I found someone that you know, they were in my network of friends, but I found someone that I could trust. And so Lauren and her friend, Abby, were my guides. Okay. Now this time around, because the drug was more powerful, it was a whole process. I had three coaching sessions, three one hour coaching sessions with them before the journey. And then I had three follow-up one-hour coaching sessions with them after. So from beginning to end, we're talking about six weeks to two months of time. Even though the journey took place on March 17th, I had three coaching sessions before spread out by a week to 10 days and three coaching sessions after spread out from a week to 10 days, right? The whole thing cost me $2,100, just to let you know. Okay, so I'm not playing games here. That, that's the main thing I'm wanting you to hear. This was an investment in my spiritual growth. And it was done in a very formal way. And so again, I went to Lauren's house. She had a whole room set aside for this. And I was laying on the floor and these two women sat alongside of me. And I took the mushrooms and again, they played music because I had earbuds in and Abby recorded every single word that I said, right? So that is a little bit about set and setting. You need to have the right mindset here. If you want to get a quantum insight, which means you are doing it not to get high, but to realize something that your normal conscious mind is not grasping, okay? And you need to set intentions and you need to have guides. I, I, I'll, I'll share you this one thing about the guide issue. I didn't know how important the guides were really, to be honest with you. Um, I, I thought that, okay, Lauren's going to be my guide, but I'm going to take the drug and then she'll just be in the house and I don't know, she'll be 
doing chores or whatever, and she'll just keep an eye on me, make sure I don't wander out in the street. I didn't really realize that they have a central role in the whole thing. And now I realize that the single most important part of having a medicine journey be a powerful life-changing experience is you finding the right guide. I can't stress that enough. You need to find the right guide. They make all the difference in the world. Their experience, both personally and professionally doing it, makes all the experience because they choose the music, they create the setting, right? When I showed up, I realized that these two women had spent days sort of in their own meditation, in their own spiritual experience, feeling into what they thought I needed to experience. They heard my intentions, but they were tuning into the universe for what they thought their purpose was for me and what they wanted me to see. So they were really tuned into me. And I showed up, they had artifacts there. They had bought me some little little trinkets to commemorate the occurrence of the whole thing. And I really discovered, wow, I mean, they're into this. I mean, they are really supporting me. They are really wanting me to have a profound experience. They're not just giving me a mushroom and saying, have a good time, Roy. I'll see you in a couple hours, right? They sat with me for five hours. And that's why there's two of them because one had to go pee <laughs> and the other one had to stay with me, okay? So I hope you're, you're sort of getting that this is not just I'm taking drugs and, you know, blah, blah, blah. That it's a really a formal thing. And that's the environment that can lead this to give you quantum insights. That makes sense? All right. Now, let me try to tell you some things that I've seen. Um... And to be honest with you, it, it, it's really difficult to put into words. Um, I remember when I came home from my journey, my, my wife kind of wanted to know, you know, what I experienced and what happened. I think it was about three days before I could verbalize anything. I pretty much sat there for two days, like in a trance. I was just absolutely at peace. I was blissed out. But I could not verbalize what it was that I saw. <laughs> I couldn't put words to it, right? But over time, I was able to, to try to describe. Like I called my friend Jim Dethmer afterwards because, you know, Jim is the one who recommended Lauren to me. So, you know, Jim wanted to know, okay, Roy, what happened? What, what did you, you know, what were your intentions? What did you want to experience? What did you experience? Because by the way, a lot of the things I experienced, I never had any intention to experience. I think the mushroom, life itself, the universe, had an idea of what I needed to experience. Way beyond what my mind told me that I needed to experience. Okay? I did experience some of that no self. I really did get a glimpse that I'm not separate from the universe that I am one, that we're all one. I, I did. And even as I say that, that can sound so cheesy. And it can sound so um, trite. Oh, we're all one, right? But that's what I mean. Words don't capture it. Like, no, really, we are one. <laughs> like, right? So when I describe some of these insights, I guess I'm not expecting you to resonate with their profundity with which they've touched me because words can't capture them. But I'm imagining people are curious. Okay, you know, okay, Roy, so what did you realize? Um, and so I'll do my best to, to share this like I did with my friend Jim. When I told him, I said, Jim, I don't know if I can describe this. You know, he's done a number of journeys himself. And he's like, I get it. I totally understand, you know, what you can share what you can verbalize what you can um 
And so I'll do that with you here. Um, so back when I did the ecstasy thing, I really, I really did see beyond my ego. I really saw, I, how can I say it? it? There's like this, it's like opening a door and to outer space. It's almost like I'm, I'm locked in this little prison of self, in this little mind that takes myself and my stories and my problems so seriously. And the ecstasy sort of let all that fall away. And there was just this openness, this spaciousness, and, and it was kind of a freedom, a freedom from self, like a like there's a freedom from all my concern and my problems and my worries and about my life. There, there's there's just a space beyond all that that's sort of behind the door of the ego. And it was sort of open briefly for me to get a glimpse of it. And I guess that's what I would say. My ecstasy journey gave me a glimpse of what is beyond me. And it was quite profound. But that was 11, 11, 12 years ago. So I, I want to talk more about what happened to me in this most recent one. And I guess what I'll say is, boy, how do I verbalize this? Have you ever heard people say, well, you've heard me say this sometimes on this podcast. Like I experienced a moment of enlightenment that was so simple and so obvious. It was the realization is that it's just this. Like right here, right now, this moment is it. This moment is sufficient. This moment is complete. There was like this time sort of dropped away, right? Past and future and worries and regret, regrets. It sort of dropped away and there was this obvious recognition that there's just this. And it, it's so, it was so ordinary that I started laughing. It was like, oh my God, it's so obvious. It's like, how could I have missed how simple life really is? It's, there is no future. There is no past. That's just, it's mental imagination or memory. It's like, it's not real. It's just so simple. It's, it's just this. And so I had this insight that just this is enough. Like I'm okay. Like I'm not lacking. That life as it is, is enough. So like for a moment there, the seeking stopped. The, the, there was a recognition that there's nothing to search for. It's all here now, like there's enough, there is no lack. And that can mean something to a lot of you out there who are seeking a partner and you really think that there is better than here. Like here I'm lacking here. There's not enough here. I don't have what I need. I don't have what I want. I need to get there. I need to get in that person's arms. I need to find that partner. I need to find that career. I need to have that body. I need to have this or that. And I had this recognition that it's all here right now. That you are whole and complete in this moment, Roy. That there's a sufficiency. And so I, I had the sense that I don't need to seek stimulation. I, I don't need to seek excitement. I don't need to seek an experience that right here is enough. And I can just sit on the couch and be, and be absolutely happy that there's nowhere to go. There's nothing to seek. There's nothing to get 
to be who I already am. And so there was this restlessness in me that calmed down. This striving calmed down. Now at this point, I should tell you that some of that has worn off. And this is important. That's the problem with medicine journeys is they show you something, but they don't necessarily change something permanently. You're getting a glimpse. In order for some of these insights to be permanent, that takes consistent practice of devotion, meditation, and commitment to your growth in your path. Just as a golfer can go out and play golf out of their mind and just shoot the lowest score ever, doesn't mean next time they go play that they're going to play that well. They had a peak experience. That's what these things are. They are peak experiences. And they don't necessarily last unless they are followed up with consistent practice consistent devotion to growth and learning. And so I'm not ashamed to admit that some of my seeking has come back. There's a little restlessness in me sometimes. There's still some striving. I believe it's not what it used to be, right? So I think you can do these medicine journeys and they level you up, um, but then they level off. And to continue the growth, that's more about your consistent daily practice of spiritual techniques and practices that, that we may do, whether they're meditations or, you know, reading books, being a part of a community of people that are on a path, working with a coach, you know, whatever it might be. So, that was the first thing. The second thing that I really learned that there's something happened with my heart when I was doing this journey. In fact, for, for maybe an hour to an hour and a half, I had my hand on my heart. I felt a lot of pressure in my heart. I felt my heart kind of expanding, right? And so I think, in fact, during the journey, I actually told my guides that I feel like the Grinch. You remember the Grinch who stole Christmas? At the end, his heart grows three sizes. Okay, <laughs> you know, like I'm very, I'm, I'm very conscious during the journey. Right, you're on this drugs, but I know I'm on drugs. I know where I am. I know I'm sitting between these two women, and I'm high. Right. I even joked at one point when I said something about my, my God, we're all one. I said, Oh my God, I'm really high, aren't I? <laughs> right. But I was seeing it as true, but I also knew that I was high. So I, you're not out of it, not at all, right? I mean, I could get up and walk to the bathroom and take a pee, which I did not do, but I could have, right? I could have driven a car, but I probably it would be very dangerous, right? So you're not out of it when you're doing this stuff. You're very conscious of what's going on, but yet you're seeing things, right? And like I saw... It's like you see colors. I was in outer space. It's like, wow. But at the same time, I knew I was at Lauren's house laying on the floor. Okay? So in this moment, I felt like my heart was expanding. And like I was growing in empathy, growing in compassion. Because here's what I, here's what I connected to. Um, I connected to only what I could call a universal sadness among human beings. I didn't necessarily connect to my own sadness. I was able to feel everyone's sadness. I was able to feel humanity's longing for love, for happiness. I, I, I was able to feel the sadness that exists in the human condition. When I was, I was able to connect with pain. 
the pain people have from people they've lost, from dreams that have been dashed, from hopes that have not been realized, to decisions people have made that have turned out badly. Like I was able to feel everyone's pain and everyone's sadness, but yet it didn't feel bad to me. It, it felt like wonderful to me. It felt universal. It, it, it felt human. And so I felt like I knew people better. I, I felt like I, I was able to have more empathy, like my compassion for others and their pain and what they're growing, going through just took a quantum leap in my life. And that has remained to a degree. I feel like I have a bigger heart for people. I, I feel like I have more patience with people. I, I feel like I have more understanding of, of, of myself and other people when they struggle, when they're hurting, right? So that's been a beautiful change within me. And then lastly, something happened between me and my mother. Okay, I can't go into a lot of detail on this. It would take too long. But if you listen to any of my podcasts, if you read any of my books, you know that I've had mommy issues. Okay, I've had a, a love-hate relationship with my mother, mostly a hate relationship with my mother. Um, and I, I, something was healed there. Like it was kind of connected to the compassion thing. It was, not you know, they nuts, but it's like my mother showed up to the journey. She was there. And my guides will tell you they thought she was in the room. Okay? Is that woo-woo? Yeah, it is. I don't know what to make of that. Okay? But I felt like she was there. They And they weren't high on anything. They felt like she was there. And what I experienced was compassion toward her. She was a harsh, angry, demanding, perfectionistic woman. She was emotionally shut down. She was not emotionally available. She was not a nurturing mother. None of that. She was more of a drill sergeant. Okay? And I've had a lot of resentment that. But in this journey, I saw us I, I saw her pain. I saw why she was that way. I saw that she was raised in a way, and she came from an environment where it was like my mom began to make sense to me. It was like, oh, no wonder she was like that. Oh, you poor thing. Like I, I felt for my, I felt my mother's pain. I felt what was behind her anger. I, I kind of connected to what made her be the way she was. It's like, I, I, it was like, I get you, mom. I get why you were that way. It's okay. It was almost like I, there was a forgiveness that happened. It was an understanding. And I, so the other thing I realized about this, and again, this is, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. You don't think I'm nuts, but I kind of had this insight that I, my mother died in 2012. And I kind of feel like, my talking about her and my anger about her has kept her alive. Like she wasn't able to rest in peace because I was keeping her alive because of how much I was resenting her and angry at her. So when she came to me and I was able to see her pain and have compassion to her, it was as if, it was as if I let her die. It was like I let her go. It's like I was keeping her alive. I was kind of keeping her stuck between two worlds in a sense. I know that sounds fucking weird, right? And I admit it, 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 but that's what I experienced. I felt like I let my mom go. I let her rest in peace. Like I forgave her. I, I didn't really forgive her because she didn't do anything wrong. She was simply being the woman that, was a result of her conditioning, her background, and her the way she was raised. 
So I, I didn't even forgive her. I just, I just, it was like, I get it. I get you. And I was able to let her go. All right. So those are some quantum insights for me to make peace with my mother. And I got to tell you, this is stuck because this podcast is airing, I think sometime, I'm not real sure, end of July. But I had dinner with my sister and her husband back in the very first part of July. And my sister had a very rough relationship with my mother. She was the oldest in the family. I'm second oldest. And her and my mother, man, they went, ooh, they were, ooh. I don't know if they ever had an actual fist fight, but they had a rough time. And my sister still has a lot of hatred and anger towards my mom. And she brought up some things as she normally does when I get around her. I, I hear her tell stories about how mom was such of this and such of that. And as she shared that, I, I felt a part of me that was like, I didn't join in on it. I, I, it's not that I didn't agree that my sister had some terrible experiences. It was that I sort of, I sort of understood where it was all coming from. And I didn't get pulled into mom was a bitch, right? Now, it wasn't the time, nor is my sister open to hearing anything like this about mom. Um, she's just not. That's just where she is. If I would have brought it up, it would have just, it would have been useless. It just would not have been received. It would have been a waste of my time and my energy. Maybe at some point I will feel an openness from her to share some of this. But as of now, it was just, it, it was just for me. It was, I was able to notice in my spirit that I was free of all that, that I had let it all go. And that is a quantum leap in my life. Okay. So to have a bigger heart, to have let go of my anger at my mother and to recognize that I'm complete and there is enough. I'd say those are pretty big insights, wouldn't you? And so I want to encourage you to consider doing medicine journeys, but only if you do it in the way I'm describing, with an experienced guide where you have to spend some money and you are you know, really shepherded through the whole process. Okay. The last journey I did was a Friday morning. I went to her house at 11 o'clock in the morning and I was done at four in the afternoon. I couldn't drive home. You know, I had to have someone come pick me up. You know, it was, it, it's a whole formal thing, like going to the hospital for a medical procedure. They check you in, they put up an IV, they get you, they check your blood pressure. This is no game, <laughs> right? So, now, I don't know guides all across the country. I know of one in Chicago. <laughs> so if you're here, I suppose I might be able to hook you up. But otherwise, you have to trust that if, if this is for you, if the universe wants you to have this, then you will find the right guide. There's an old Buddhist saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So if you are ready or when you are ready, you can trust that somehow the universe will support you and connect you with the right person. You'll hear something and you'll ask a question and someone will say, oh, I know someone who does guides and you'll be surprised. Like, really? I had no idea you knew someone that does this. I'm interested. Okay, so it may happen just like that. So, all right, that is episode number seven of Quantum Insights. It's all about medicine journeys. And we will wrap up this series next week. And until then, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. 
Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.